Hey, you got him with this one, dog. It's so soulful. Let's take him back. Come on. Hey, remember back in the block in the summertime when the sidewalk got so boiling hot that the heat from the street almost melts your flip flops or burn through your new shoes and leave you. With holes in your socks Us city slickers, there was no water in spots So we'd head to the corner, Mr. Warner would not What is up? We welcome, welcome, welcome All my do-datters, future fathers, potential parents And everyone else tuning in This is Dad Hard with a podcast And as always, I am your host, Mo Green And I am just a dad who talks to other dads trying to be the best dad I can be and help anybody else to be the best dad that they can be. So thank you for joining us yet again for another week of Dad Harbor, the podcast. This is episode 64. Uh, and it's crazy to think it's been 64 episodes already now in the middle of season two. It's wild stuff. But so is this parenting thing. So I'm happy that I can keep doing this. Love to do it. Love talking to people. Um, Last episode, I had on the marketing director for Tony's. And he talked, we talked a lot about enhancing and serving and, you know, evolving the creativity in our kids and how Tony's with their Tony box and all of their products aim to do that. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. Um, he, the guy is awesome. He started his own daycare. He's worked for Lego and now he works for Tony's. Um, and Tony box in general is just a phenomenal thing. My daughter is completely obsessed with it and loves it so much. Um, so if you haven't heard from it or you haven't gotten yourself one, go out and do that. Go to Tony's.us and you can learn all about them and listen to last week's episode if you haven't already to get a deeper dive into you know what the purpose of the Tony box is and how it helps to serve the development of our kids. But alas, this week's episode of Dad Harbor the podcast is full packed of absolute fun and hilarity, especially when it comes to the guest segment. Uh, I actually have the opportunity to bring on two of my close friends from college who have now blown up in the children's event circuit uh, all the way to the point where they just released their new children's album uh, called Cat and Cat. Uh, So I sit down with Kevin Hoban and Jordan Simkovich, Cap and Cat themselves, uh, and they will also be providing the music for this week's musical break. Uh, That conversation is absolutely hilarious, so definitely stay tuned and listen through to that. Also, going back to Tony's, we had the first ever Dad Hard giveaway Partnering with Tony's, we got where I asked people to write in with, you know, one or two things that they do to harness creativity with their kids. 200 plus responses we got through Facebook, Instagram, email, etc. It's phenomenal. A winner has been chosen. They have been contacted and they will be receiving a awesome package from Tony's. Uh, So I want to thank Drew Vernon and Tony's again for partnering with Dad Hard on that. Uh, I'm sure there are many more to come. Now onto this week of fatherhood. It's week 85 of being a dad. 
And the name of the game this week has been this ultimate necessity. I don't want to say necessity because that's not the right word, but it's this ultimate desire for interactivity, right? We all know as parents, like when your kids are growing up and they're small, under a year, little after a year, et cetera, when you want to try to get them together with other kids and get them interact and they'll be best friends and your kid, you have a kid and your best friend has a kid at the same age and all, oh, they're going to love each other, be best friends from the start. But then you get them together and they don't even look at each other. Not one time. They do what they call parallel playing. Um, and that's obviously a super normal thing. And that was what my daughter did pretty strictly, um, whether it was with other kids or whether it was, you know, with family with her, with me and my wife. She didn't necessarily want to interactively play with us when we were home. Uh, she kind of just wanted us to sit and watch her play, you know, but not interfere or interact with that. Over the last week or so, that's made a complete complete 180 and completely flipped to the point where now all she wants is interactivity when she's playing like she still wants to play what she wants to play and do what she wants to do you know kids they're very demanding at this age um but she wants always 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 now wants somebody to interact with whether it's me whether it's my wife whether it's her uncle my brother-in-law that comes over whether it's her grandparents she has this big thing where she just is now, when she goes to play with something and either my wife or I are, are around or watching her in the room, it's always, mommy, play, mommy, play, daddy, play too, daddy, play too. And she needs you to come and play with her. If you say that, no, I got to go run to the bathroom, blah, blah, no, no, no. She'll follow you wherever you go, screaming for you to come play with her. Uh, and it's, an interesting turn because it's also now started to transition over into other kids. And when she's with other kids, she now really wants that interaction. Um, not all kids, but most, you know, uh, the, the first one, the main one is, you know, my wife's best friend has like a three-year-old. And even though my daughter's 20, 20 months, you know, she just wants to be when they're together she just wants to be with uh with, with them the whole with her the whole time and do whatever she's doing follow her run up and down you know uh, emulate how she's running or pretending to fly or you know stuff like that um so that that was very interesting especially because that my my wife's best friend's daughter's much older than she is, you know, she's almost a year and a half older. Uh, but it's also trickled down to just like random kids that are in the park. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we took my daughter to the playground and there was this older girl also there, like that just came up to my daughter and like started emulating a frog, like acting like a frog, ribbiting, and hopping around. And my daughter loved it. And she followed this girl around for 20, 30 minutes doing exactly what she did, playing exactly how she was playing. Uh, and that was really the first sign that she wanted to now do this interactive playing thing. You know, just yesterday, I was at the playground with my daughter and she was running around the playground and there was a little girl, you know, drawing with sidewalk chalk or street chalk. And my daughter, who right now is really into street talk and street chalk and different art things in general, as I've talked about a bunch on the pod the last couple of weeks, she lit my daughter literally went up to the girl, 
sat down right in front of her, grabbed one of her pieces of chalk, and they just started drawing together. And it was interesting to see that evolution in her personality and the evolution in her desire for how she wants to go about her activities and her playing, etc. It's gone from this kind of fully independent thing to now I want to do it with somebody. I, I want, it doesn't matter who, but if somebody's there, I want them to be interacting and doing this with me also. And I, I honestly think that it, that that aspect of interactivity and playing comes from this evolution in her comfortability just in general, right? Obviously, as kids get older, they just get more comfortable with things because they've seen it before, they've experienced it before. When they're very young, they've, they're experiencing everything for the first time. So, of course, they're uncomfortable doing things, even playing with other kids. But as they start to get older, it's clear that they get more comfortable with just things in general. And one of those things happens to be, I guess other kids or interacting with people and that their comfort level with interacting, I feel like at least from what I've seen in my daughter comes from two different evolutions of her comfortability. One is obviously, like I said, her comfort, her being more comfortable with just things in the world at large in general, but the other is being more comfortable with herself and understanding who she is and, you know, in more in touch with not just what she wants and what's, and what she wants to do, but she knows and is more comfortable with how she wants to feel doing that thing. You know, she wants to feel like she's having this fun. And so she wants, you know, somebody else to be having that fun with her, you know, and, and it's interesting to just see all these little personality enhancements and evolutions as your kid grows older because it's stuff that you don't really see. These little things, it's the little intricacies that you don't think about until you are a parent, you know? Like, never would I have thought about parallel playing versus interactive playing and what that means and how she's developing. I never would have thought about that before I was a dad, but now that I'm seeing it happen, it's actually... One of my favorite things about being a parent is watching these small intricacies develop into full-blown personality traits and seeing them become more comfortable with things and seeing them understand who they are, you know? And I say that that's one of the reasons why I think she wants more interactivity is because she, she knows who she is now. You know, it was only until recently, I mean, up until recently, she didn't, like, understand that, like, her name was Aurora or, like, what her... Now she knows that she is Aurora. That's who I am. And, you know, she sees herself in pictures and knows that's her, you know? And she just starting to understand that she is this solo entity and she is a being herself and watching her experience that and play around with that and how that helps her to grow has just been super interesting. And that's really what the, the big thing about this week was uh, week 85 wanting to be interactive. So dads, moms out there, 
get ready to play a whole hell of a lot because they're going to want you to be playing with them doing everything doesn't matter if it's the sticker book if it's play-doh the tea party if it's playing flower towers where she has these like flower shaped blocks that she just builds up into as tall as she could possibly make them just to knock them down king kong style you know she wants you and demands that you sit and play with her and do the same thing because if she's having fun she knows that she's gonna have fun doing it so it's like she wants you to have that fun also um but yeah that's what it was this week it's this it's this evolving desire for interactivity and it's really cool to see as it comes along with the evolution of their personalities um that's all for this segment of Dad Hard with the podcast. We're going to jump into a musical break. And on the other side, I have a hilarious conversation with two hilarious dudes. Um, went to college together and they, in their professional lives now, have become children's entertainers in all aspects of the concept. Uh, so I welcome the musical duo Cap and Cat, a.k.a. Kevin Hoban and Jordan Simkovich. Uh, that's on the other side of the break. Keep it locked and I will catch you on the other side. Let's go on a shape safari. Let's go on a shape safari. Let's go on a shape safari. We're going on a shape safari and looking all around. We're going on a shape safari we're headed to the town. I see a house over there. And you know what? It's also a square. Triangle roof and rectangle door. Come with us and we'll find more and more and more. We're going on a shape safari and looking up and down. This week's episode of Dad Hard with a Podcast is sponsored by last week's guest, Tony's. Yes, check out the Tony Box. It is a phenomenal way to get kids involved in storytelling, enhance their creativity with characters from all Disney movies to creative Tonys, where you can create your own stories with your kids and really harness that creativity check out tony's and the tony box at tonys.us that is t-o-n-i-e-s dot u-s and if you didn't catch last week's episode with marketing director for tony's drew vernon definitely check that out it's phenomenal he breaks down all about how the tony box works and what it's used for once again to check out tony's and get your tony box today go to tony's.us t-o-n-i-e-s dot u-s this week's episode is also sponsored by this week's guest cap and cat the kids music duo dynamic duo i should say so once you hear them on this episode of the podcast jump over to wherever you download your music spotify apple amazon and download their first studio album cap and cat it features fantastic children's songs shape safari incredible day in the swamp and even a lullaby check it out captain cat Download it now wherever you listen to music. Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. 
Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains or cared about your ways. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember the sandbox, little league ball felt like the sandlot. I was the bambino, the salt on the swap, and Doc was more like Benny the Jet. No handy, but yet, and we are back with this week's episode of Dad Hard with a podcast. And as always, you know, once that music break hits, it is time for the guest segment of the show. And like always, I have extremely special guests. Yes, guests plural uh on this week we go way back i go way back with these two guys all the way back to the college days where fraternity brothers they were my pledges in college when they were freshmen i was a sophomore then they started this kind of revolution at northwestern where they would just go and play music outside get the fans involved and now that has evolved into dropping a kid's album what, last week, two weeks ago? Captain and Cat, it is awesome. I just told them earlier today that their song Shape Safari is like my new jam. So with no further ado, I would like to welcome two of my good friends, Kevin Hoban and Jordan Simkovich. How are you, fellas? <laughs> awesome, Great. man. Thank you for having us, Mo. Of this course. is super awesome. Thank you for coming on. This is this is gonna be fun. I haven't I haven't talked to you guys in a, in a while, and now I'm seeing you guys. Where this is this feels like old times again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Sure. I remember <laughs> the days back in Lodge when we'd go to your room, we'd hang out, we'd listen to music. I never thought you'd be a dad. Never thought I'd be a dad. But here we are. A very different circumstance, right? We were probably in my room watching Fresh Prince smoking foot long joints. You know what I mean? And now we're yeah. just <laughs> drinking. I didn't know if we could say that on here. <laughs> Dude, I told you, it's yeah. no holds barred. This is dad hard with the oh, podcast, we're dad bro. Hard today. Perfect. You know? Perfect. No, this is this is insane. And and, Ke- and Kevin, you just had you just had a daughter like eight weeks ago. Eight weeks. I'm in it right now. I'm in the thick of it. You are in the uh, you are in the shit right now. My eyes are glazed over. I don't know if it's day or night. Yeah, I'm in that phase right now. <laughs> but the but the beard looks great. Thank you. The beard, the beard looks you. phenomenal. It's, it's fantastic. I, I do find that like just like trimming my beard makes me feel like a human again and buys me just like a little bit more energy. Yes, I, I agree. And it also gives a little – when you're a dad, like you need those things to give you a little bit of separation and like alone time. You know what I mean? The, the, sha- <laughs> the shaving. Especially, especially during COVID, like – you don't leave your house, so you don't do anything. You're constantly like work and fatherhood all kind of blends together. Yeah. And yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's just one big long life. There's no days, there's no nights. It's just a life that we're going through now. It's fully monotonous. But how how's that been starting for first kid? I mean, as far as I can tell, I think it's going well. Great. She she eats well, she sleeps well, she shits all the time. So we've checked all those boxes. And she's alive. That's the most important thing. And she's alive. <laughs> I tell myself that at 3 a.m. when I feel like, you know, I'm failing as a parent. I can't make her go back to sleep. I'm like, well, you're alive. That's good. I've done that much. You know, we're just, uh, just good, grinding through it, you know. My wife and I are trying not to kill each other, yeah. trying not to kill the baby, and uh, doing it. And then every once in a while, she like shoots me a glance in my eyes, and I'm like, okay, I will do anything for you. I will buy you what you want. You win, 
and she's you know she's a blob at this point but like one look at like really where she like looks through your soul yes you know what i'm talking about i know exactly like, what you're okay, talking about. You whatever you want I know exactly what you're talking about. There, there's, I, I, I always say it, and people listening probably get sick of it, but like I always say, there's something angelic about when your baby girl looks at you. You're just like, it's like the skies open, and you're like looking at freaking God. You know what I mean? You just feel there's something special, really special about that. Jordan, you don't have kids. How did you? Get... <laughs> I don't. But I have a sweet cat. No, you do have a sweet cat. But you work with kids a lot, right? So is was that the connection for you guys to like make this transition into, or for specifically for you to make this transition into like the kids music game? It's interesting because I realize like when I look back on my week, I probably spend like 80% of my time with people who are younger than 12. With my tutoring and like, you know, obviously and like a lot of the outreach we're doing right now with like our music and stuff like that. Honestly, the, the short answer is I just love kids. And when we when we first, Hoban and I moved out here around, moved out to LA around the same time, we were just looking for kind of fun things to do to stay creative and, you know, keep making music and keep performing for people. So that's when we started kind of doing kids parties out here, pretty much right when we landed. Shout out to our former agent, Silly Sally. <laughs> now that is a kids event agent name if I've ever heard one. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> Silly Sally. There's that's silly awesome. Amy and, there was Silly Amy and Silly Sally. So and then, you know, we kind of they kind of showed us the ropes for like some general tricks we could do at kids parties, but ultimately just turned it over to us and was like, just make a show. Sick. And so we showed, well, it, there was a long time where it wasn't sick. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, there was a long time. And look, performing for kids, it's like, they will immediately tell you when the show is lagging. They, like, it's not even that the show is bad. They will tell you, like, they'll scream out in the middle of your show, like, this show is boring. I'm hungry. <laughs> And we're like, oh, we lost them. We lost them bad. That's, that's <laughs> so the first bubble show we did, we were super hungover from having gone out the night before. We <laughs> fucked up the bubble mix that we were performing at. Or that we were, we had mixed the day, like we had mixed on the spot that day. And we did literally, a, uh, we were supposed to do an hour long bubble show. And we ended up doing a 25, 30 minute show with no bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> And it was for an Armenian family where, like, nobody spoke English. So, like, we couldn't talk really to the kids. Like, we're just up there, just, like, drenched in, like, tequila sweat. And, you know, let me tell you, we'll never, and I, we, we finished up that show, and I was like, Hoban, no matter what you and I do, we will never bomb that hard at a show ever in our lives. And since then, the good news is it's only been an upward trajectory since Well, well I, I imagine it could only be an upward trajectory since then. Big time. That's a really good way to to motivate you to get serious about your show. So I think literally from that point, we were like, okay, we're supposed to be performing a bubble show. Let's start writing songs about bubbles. And at least we'll have that. Because if we don't have the bubbles, at least we'll have songs about bubbles. Sure. And sure. that's when we first started writing music. And then it just evolved to the point where we created characters. We created this idea of Captain Kevin and the Geordie Cat. And we created a whole like world that we could exist in that we're sailing around the world. We even had a nemesis, the bubble popping pirate. Oh my <laughs> god! Just, Jordan would me. leave and put on a, an eye patch. <laughs> oh, the, the claim to fame of the bubble popping pirate is he is a hundred 
He's batting a thousand at making kids cry, making at least one child cry at the bubble show. We would go, uh, we would go to like Party City out of off season and get like a sh- the swaggest pirate costume ever. So I would just come out with like an eye patch, a weird unnerving earring, like a hoop earring. And oh, the hook. earring was the worst. <laughs> Wait, that's incredible. I'm literally like just envisioning you in an eye patch and a big oh hoop God. earring. And, and I, I really just... got I really got into it. When I came out, you could see it, it's actually very intoxicating, the feeling of just coming out and terrifying children for like you can see how a person loses <laughs> at becoming a villain. Because like there was a there was a while where I was like, I'm not coming back. I'm just the bubble pop and pirate forever. <laughs> oh, then then you just have ca- the captain versus the bubble pop and pirate. It's like a Peter Pan. <laughs> story yeah. over here it, it was actually an amazing trick to hope to tell them how you defeated the bubble popping pirate how did i defeat the bubble popping you don't remember pirate? the fake but you had the fake bubble so the, oh! bubble, <laughs> the bubble popping pirate comes out with a hook and he fucks up the bubble show because he pops up the bubbles with his hook and then captain we found it in i think i found this on a trip one time where it was like a fake bubble that through sleight of hand you would produce and make it look like you caught a bubble, but it was actually plastic. And that was the one po- that was the one bubble that the bubble popping pop, I would just tap on it with my hook, and then Hoban would stab me under the arm, and I would say, I, there was one point where I did a whole death scene, but that was too intense. <laughs> and then I would just say, ah, oh, that's a really bad boo-boo, Captain Kevin. <laughs> That's a- if you ever want an entire audience full of kids to be engaged, introduce a nemesis. Those kids yeah. would lose it. Yeah, they would lose it because they, you know, no matter how young they are, they understand the difference between good and evil. Yeah, and that evil needs to be destroyed. Well, and they it was like, also- that was a training point for us. I think when we were like, oh my god, like if it's not going well, just bring out the pirate. Yeah, and these kids are in your hand immediately. They're like, okay, well, we're paying attention. I mean, also the worst thing that you can do to a kid is, at that age is pop their bubbles. You know what I mean? Like yeah. kids fucking love bubbles. Like you, you got this guy that's coming in to pop my bubbles. This is the worst human being alive. Yeah, and especially showing up at that, like, it was really... And I would always be sweaty at that point because it was, like, 40 minutes into the show. And, like, my hair was all over. That was when my hair was shoulder length. So I really did kind of look like a like a disruptive pirate. <laughs> <laughs> that is... That's so incredible. How, how did you get into this kid's party scene? Obviously, you guys were doing doing music and stuff like that, but how did that connection happened how did you make that decision to go down that path for me it was we moved out here jordan was here a little earlier he started acting i moved out a couple months later and then jordan i think is were responding to an audition craigslist literally the short answer is craigslist it was a, it was a crisis <laughs> ad for can you can you perform for kids and if you have a musical act that would be even better so Jordan said, hey, you know, we perform music all the time. You want to come audition with me? I'm like, all right, sure, I'll go. And uh, we showed up for Silly Sally. We just Silly performed Sally. a few songs that we rehearsed an hour before, and we were booked. And then she literally handed us a kiddie pool and bubble solution and said, just go do it. Yeah. So that's crazy. We had to figure it out. We had to just figure it out. The bubble show is a is a nutty, nutty thing. Do you do the tricks with the bubbles, or are you just, like, kind of blowing them out and calling it a bubble show? Our, our grand finale is, and especially towards the end of our performances, I can stand on my head for a really long time. So I stand on my head. I stand on my head, and then Hoban 
puts me inside of a bubble while I'm standing upside down and the theme to 2001 A Space Odyssey is playing. So it's like, bum, bum, bum. And right at that point, you know, I'm upside down in a bubble. That's, wait, that's a phenomenal finale. Kids must yeah. go crazy. Weather, per, weather permitting, though, that's the thing, man. <laughs> you, what people don't realize when you go to a bubble show is, is like, when you feel the tiniest bit of wind, it's like a tornado at your bubble show. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is good to know. This is good to know. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So you always have to factor in the wind. And there are certain wads that, and certain tricks that we do that are non-wind inside shows. And then there are certain outside shows. But I have terrible – because there was a while where Ho- every time we would do the finale trick of – putting kids inside of a bubble or me inside of a bubble, Hoban would play guitar and I would have to be kind of kneeling at the kid's waist in the bubble. And a lot of the time, you know, lifting up the hula hoop. Yeah. Like to make a bubble around them. And a lot of the time, bro, bubbles don't, you know, kids learn that <laughs> kids learn that there's a little built in amount of error. And, you know, this is a weather permitting bubble. <laughs> fuckheads. Kids learn there are no guarantees in life. Yeah. I had them with a dose of realness. I'm like, look, you know, sometimes it fucking rains. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now, I'm now envisioning this as as Vince Vaughn at the wedding where he's making all the balloon animals, but instead of balloon animals, it's you putting kids in bubbles, and the weather is going bad, and this there's this one fucking dickhead kid that just be like, "Put me in a bubble, silly guy!" You know, like just yelling at you to put you in a bubble. The craziest shit is at the end of that Armenian bubble party, which was like the first one where he couldn't make any bubbles. There was this incredible grandma that came out of nowhere and was like, you put me in bubble. You put me in bubble. And we're like, okay, fine. We're going to try. We obviously haven't been able to put a kid inside of a bubble, but let's just go for broke on this grandma. Did you do it? The hula hoop is not only we didn't make a bubble, the hula hoop was too narrow for her kind of wide granny ass. (laughs) So I'm lifting it up and it literally gets stuck kind of like right on her waist or like, right. Kind of like you get a lot of friction, like right around the hips. And I'm like, and at that point we called it. (laughs) This isn't working. We're we're going home. Yeah. Show's show's over. over. And then the mommy came up to us and was like, I think we're good. (laughs) I I think we're good. How often are you doing these shows? At our at our peak, we were probably doing four shows a weekend, four or five shows a weekend. Wow, That's but insane. you know, COVID, well, there are no shows. Yeah, so that had a lot to do with how we decided to evolve into from just live performance to writing an entire kids album, but then taking it a step further to actually create animated characters. Yep, and now we're animating videos to go along with the songs to try to like, you know, take a little bit of the soul of what we were doing, make it into like an animated world for kids sure, and for then sure. put it out on the internet. Just yeah. so. Yeah. It's, yeah. Phenom- it's phenomenal. And I, I was, I was like, wa- I was watching a bunch of your stuff that you were put, that you've been putting out as of late. Like I said, the shape safari. Great. Wake up. Great. Like I love, love it. <laughs> like I, I love, I love that you have this animated character element to what you guys are doing. How, are you guys were you guys like into animated movies in general before doing this? Was that like at all inspiration for that, or did you just like fuck it? I think Rocco, gonna... Rocco's Modern Life literally influences me to this day. Rocco's I think that that show, like growing up in that whole sequence of Nicktoons, yep, 
was was literally I, I would say I think about those shows even still to this day and like a lot of the lessons they learned like Rocco's Modern Life I think I would put is the best one of the best shows about living in Los Angeles ever created yeah and you know what <laughs> he, Rocco Rocco doesn't Rocco's Modern Life doesn't get enough love from no. it's always Ren and it was, Stimpy it went over you know what it didn't have a lot of it didn't have like the farts or the butts of Ren and Stimpy. It just had like gentle social commentary. <laughs> yeah, Rock of My Life was great. Rock of My Life was my my favorite. Rock of My Life and Doug were my two were my two jams yeah. back yeah. in the day. This is so. What's the reaction been like to to doing this kids album for you guys? It's been awesome. It's it's really been honestly just with how many friends of ours right now are have a child between zero and two or three. This is it's it's been really encouraging to see, especially honestly, our best response has been from the kids who their parents will take a video of their kid dancing and listening to it. And, you know, like we we, we try to obviously it's important for us to remember, like we're not only making shows for mommies and daddies who are reaching out to on Instagram, but, you know, ultimately this for the kids. Yeah. Do do you get a lot of that? Like, are kids like like? Do you get a lot of parents that are sending you like videos and and like audio of their or pictures of their kids like breaking it down to to the songs? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Really, that's the best part. Yeah, so you can see like what you're doing, even though we can't be there live with kids. It's definitely impacting them and and they're loving it. So that. It makes it all worth it for sure. Yeah, babies dance. Babies all dance the same way. Has anybody ever noticed that? <laughs> well, just 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 run around in circles. Yeah, that's a my like, I don't know, like especially like the kind of if you're under a if you're under a year old, you kind of just like sit in your chair and do the little, this a little, little yeah do this little bounce thing yeah and yeah, maybe, maybe hips, like you know? stomp one of your feet like that's what that's what my daughter used to do she whenever she was dancing she was always like she would hold when she was standing she'd hold the the, the counter or the table and she'd just like pick up one foot and like just stomp it around <laughs> or whatever to freaking baby like shark pirate, like an old pirate or a cowboy yeah, like beating yeah. out time you know yeah I mean? straight up that's <laughs> I, I will say there's a lot of pressure on my eight-week-old daughter to be a receptive audience for my music, and I'm very sensitive to when I sing her. We wrote a lullaby, and if I sing her that lullaby and she doesn't go to sleep, I am very sensitive about it. Really? I, like, whoa, 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 what is it? Is it, is it the my third, tone? The third verse is a little long, let's be honest. Am I, is, it, is the lyrics not connecting with you? What do I have to do? Your, your inflection on on the of here is just not not doing it, not not getting the sleep time down. Do you play? Do you play the stuff for for your daughter? Yeah, all the time. Does all she, the time. I, mean, so I did the experiment. You know, you read about it in all these books when your wife is pregnant. Like, sing to your daughter, play sure, music for them. Like, they'll recognize it when they come out. So, like, I've been playing this music for ten months to wow. her, and like just hoping. That now she's a little young, but I'm hoping like around one years old or something, she's gonna hear it and be like, "Oh shit, I remember that." They they definitely connect with it once they can kind of understand. They get past that six month point, definitely connect with it, and then you're gonna feel fucking great about yourself. Good, good, because as a dad in the first weeks, like you don't have much of a purpose to be honest. Like you can just tell the daughter looks at you and is like, "You're not the one with the boobs." Yes. You're okay, but like, bring those boobs over here. Yes, yes, yes. that's that's actually it's like me in eighth grade. <laughs> no, that's actually that's actually fact. You literally just have to like run the night, like as a dad, you just have to run the night shift. Yeah, 
You know, yeah. like you just like are the one that doesn't sleep because you, so your your partner can sleep as much as possible. Totally, totally. How yeah, are you? You're... How are you breaking down the sleep these days? God, we just got her up to five hours of sleep, wow. which was a huge victory. Literally four days ago, she was waking up every hour at night, and it's like it makes you do some soul searching as a parent. You're like, what, what? are we doing wrong? What if I, like, is this karma coming back to get me? Like, why won't this child sleep? Yeah. And then overnight, she sleeps for five hours. I'm like, I don't think we changed anything. I don't think we did anything different. It's just, I don't know. We're just holding on for the ride. Yeah. That's, yeah. Once they get past that, like, four hours at a time mark, you're fucking money. Like, the, when, they're, when they do the two-hour, waking up every hour, two-hour thing, it is a fucking nightmare. Me and my wife used to sleep in shifts. Yeah, we we did. I don't know if you know the snoo. The like we had it. Come on, man. I come yeah, on. You know the snoo, of course. <laughs> so we, we we were doing the snoo, but it would just piss my daughter off. Like, really? She would, she would wake up, and if that thing was shaking her, she would just go from zero to sixty in like a second. Well, you know, so it we, gets we, really aggressive, really fast. Really aggressive, and it would piss her off. So we just turned off the snoo, and then all of a sudden, she was like, she's fine. Could you imagine if you were pissed and someone all of a sudden starts shaking you? <laughs> like, that's actually, that's actually what does I do. that stop becoming a, like, when is that ever a soothing mechanism? Let me just shake the shit out of you. Well, well, the, well that's, that's the thing that, that, like, we, that we were so upset about the snoo with. It worked great for us. Like, we have no qualms with it. I'll recommend it to anybody. But when it, when it got, like, past, like, green, like, the green light, like, because, you know, it goes lights and, you know, different, like, lights, whatever you get it on the app. When it got past the green light, it just went so insane. It was rocking like it was a freaking hurricane in the in, in her bed. It was, we were just like, what the fuck is going on? We're going to give her brain damage. Is it based on their volume of crying or, like, based on their fuss? Yeah. It, like, quantifies their fussing? Yeah, yeah their I think it's, their, yeah, it's their volume. movement, their volume. Like, I, I think for some reason it, like, gets, like, their heart rate also. Like, it, like just as they get more more agitated it just goes faster and i'm like in my head i'm like that doesn't really make sense to go faster as they're getting louder and yeah. faster yeah. wouldn't you want to like regulate it down a little bit more you know what i mean like why are you you're just kind of like feeding into their screaming at that point. <laughs> right. let's and bring I, about hysteria and tantrums right i, I know for a lot of babies it actually works but for mine, it was just like, no, 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 you're not fucking around with this yeah. right now. No, no, you dude. will not shake me right now. I will scream louder than this thing it, can shake. It, me. Dude, hundred percent. We never, we never let it get above green. Like my wife, when when we would start hearing her cry or whatever, she was like immediately looking at the app, and as soon as it went to green, we just manually like put it, pushing it back down to like level one. Like going, like if it got to to orange, oh, I was a dead man. If I let it get to orange, I was a dead man. I my wife was freaking out. Like, it's gonna, it's gonna shake her brain. It's gonna shake her brain. All of a sudden, the Sue starts talking to you like Hal from 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> it's like, no, Kevin, we want to shake her. Yeah, that's how we get her back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> shake the brain so much that it just turns off. Oh my god! No, it's like honestly, like getting your child to sleep. I feel like it's like an escape room. It's like you have to try all these little tricks and puzzles and like you have to connect <laughs> these call. dots. You have to think back to three weeks ago. What did you change? And then like you're just trying to escape exhaustion. 
And if you can put all these puzzle pieces together, maybe, maybe you'll sleep for four hours. Is she, in her, is she in her own room? Because once you put them in their own room, it actually becomes an escape room. Because not only do you have to figure out all of that, then you have to figure out how you're going to get out of the room without her noticing that you're not in the room anymore. That, my friend, is the national treasure that you need to go find. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? Like army crawling out of the room? Dude, I'm army crawling. I'm ro- I'm fucking barrel rolling. I'm tiptoeing. Whatever I can. I wait for my moment. If my daughter has a time where she's not going to put her to bed and she's not going to sleep, I always do the tactic. I'll like lie down on the floor next to her, whatever. And then like I'll put my hand in the cribs. She's like holding my hand, knows I'm there. Then and then she'll be like singing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" to herself, like off. And I'll like look and see if like her back turns to me. (laughs) If her back turns to me, I'm like, okay, this is my moment. Go! And I just like quickly, like just like barrel roll towards the door, open it so quietly, and then just duck out of the room. Like it's insane. But she always knows, and she always starts crying hysterically. But then she goes back to sleep. But th- I'm that, start doing, that gives me an idea to start doing Tai Chi for dad's escape, making a slow escape from a room. Dude, that's pretty good. That very slow, gentle transfer of weight. Land, you always land on your heels, never your toes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a brilliant, brilliant and very useful concept right there. Teaching dads. How Check to get- out on Tai Chi for young dads. <laughs> tai Chi for dads dot com. I'm in. I'm all about it. Where can I invest? <laughs> a very expensive subscription service. <laughs> uh, so, J- Jordan, how did you get? How, you don't have kids, right? You're you're married though, yeah, right? You're 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 married. Yes, living together. Yeah, no kids yet, or maybe no, no kids yet. ever. I don't know what your your preference is here. Oh man, that's tough. I love. I honestly love kids, and my wife and I. Well, this is actually big news. We just closed on a house. Oh, sick. Yeah, we're closing a house in L.A. Awesome. So, yeah. There's only one step left. Yeah, exactly. We have a cat, and we now have a house. So, like, I mean, it's tough to think about, like, having a kid in, like, a one-bedroom little bungalow in Venice. Where we're, like, on top of each other in my wife's shoes. But, I mean, I love, honestly, I love kids so much, and I've seen... I've seen so many from all the tutoring families I work with. I've seen so many cautionary tales of, like, what not to do kind of as a parent. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's been that's been incredible. And, like, one thing that all the parents have told me from when I started and, like, even when I didn't even know the subject material that I was teaching that much, they're like, you have an interesting way of talking to the kids. And so I'm like, I, I'll, thanks. I can see that being the case. <laughs> it, it, now, how, interesting. Do you, how do you talk to the kids? You know, honestly, the only – the best – like, the only way I can kind of describe it is I talk to them as if I'm talking to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of the time I feel like every all kids expect adults, especially you can always tell who like doesn't know how to interact with a child because sure. they'll come in with like that like hey, hey. <laughs> you know, and they're like, Ah, oh, look at you, you're so grown up. Yeah. You know? For sure. And you know what you know what kids hate hearing? You know, when I last saw you, you were like this, and now you're like this. Like kid's gonna be like yeah what i fucking grew yeah right i'm now 12 you haven't seen me since i was four years old like obviously you idiot and then 
But, you know, honestly, I talk to them with the same kind of openness and the same kind of interest and the same kind of curiosity that I would talk to a grown up. And you'd be surprised to like the extent of like the complexity of kids' emotions and the complexity of their processing. Oh, dude. And in terms of like what they notice and what they, because a lot of the times they don't have like that filter of like, ooh, I shouldn't be thinking this. I should be thinking, you know, they're just like, you know, it's just 100% honesty and directness. 100%. I actually just read, or I'm in the middle of reading this book called The Intellectual Minds of Children. And that's what it's all about. It's about that like kids are actually more, kids are actually smarter than fucking adults because they don't have those necessarily have those social filters at such a young age. And when they have like these ideas or they want to say something, they just go with it as opposed to try to hold back to keep within the, within the social construct, et cetera, et cetera. So I dig that. That's what you're saying. That is, uh, that's Omri's method of, of of parenting with, with, with his son Ellis. He's like, he's like, I actually just spent the day paddle boarding in the mangroves uh, in my, when I was down in Miami with Omri. That's amazing. Honestly, he has such a just talking to him about the way he talks listening to him about the way he talks about parenting is fascinating yeah, it's it's very it's very fascinating and he he's like he tells me he's like he's like yeah i just like every morning i just wake up i'm like okay alice this is what i gotta do today i gotta do this and then i'm gonna do this and then i gotta do this we're gonna get after it about, and it's i'm like, like honestly if you didn't know better you would sound like he lives with like a temperamental roommate <laughs> Dude, he says that he treats him like a roommate like it's hilarious it's but that's a, but that's how you gotta talk to him to, to, to get the response like if you you talk to them in a normal like an adult as they're as if they're an adult right or can comprehend on an adult level it actually, from a from a young child standpoint, it actually is supposed to help with their development. You know what I mean? Because they're just now yeah. used to hearing and listening and interacting on an adult level. So that's just what they know. Instead of just being oh, go 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 go, little pretty baby, boo, 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 you know. So yeah. um, honestly, I remember I remember when I was like probably four or five years old. I asked my grandpa. I was like, Grandpa, is God? What person? Can you take me to go find God? And my grandpa was like, Jordan, God is a very abstract concept. He's everywhere. It's not really a person. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay. All right, fine. Great, I got it. <laughs> I just got it. That's it. You know what I mean? Rather than like, oh, rather than being kind of fed whatever bull, you know, whatever made up story that people kind of say, just like hitting them with the realness and letting kids sort out the complexity of feelings sure. a lot of the time is something that we kind of shy away from when in actuality, like emotional intelligence, maybe not their own, especially not when they're tired or in a tantrum or anything like that. But if you hit and you're talking to a calm child, I actually would prefer to talk to a calm child than a wound up grown up. I mean, I, I yeah. agree. I would, I would probably rather talk to anything than a wound up grown up, to be honest with you. I'll talk to a freaking yeah. wall, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you guys take that like mentality into the shows that you're doing for kids? Or is that kind of a strictly something that you keep like, you know, do you kind of keep it on that real level with the, with the performances as well? Or do you get into more of the kid oriented talk and stuff like that? We lean into, you know, it's not like some gritty monologue that we're doing. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so child, here we have a bubble. Will it make itself? Who knows? <laughs> I do. I do think though, like when we're writing songs for kids, like we have those conversations when we're writing the lyrics, like "Look, kid, understand this." And more times than not, we're like, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they'll get it, or at least they'll appreciate it someday. Yeah, and maybe the parents will appreciate it now. Yeah, and, sure. 
For sure. I think again, I think that's I think that's important. I think that's important to do. So, Kev, you just had a daughter eight weeks ago. You've been working, you've been working with kids for now months, doing these shows and and doing this, the music, the album, etc. Did you find like being around kids a lot helps you at all to deal with the fatherhood experience? Or, I mean, I know you're not dealing with eight-week-olds when you're doing your bubble shows, but did you find that just being around that energy has any effect or or adds any assistance to your process as a dad? I guess I would say it's totally different dealing with a newborn, but I have this confidence that, like, we just got to get to maybe the 12-month stage, yeah. and then I'm going to come in, and I'm going to be really effective. I tell my wife all the time, <laughs> like, just give me the toddler years, and you're going to see my worth as a dad. That is when I'm really going to shine. When we, like, can sing and play games, and I've got this huge repertoire that I can unleash, that's where I'm going to have all my worth. Right now, I'm literally holding this, like, foreign object in my hands and don't know what's going to happen at any moment. <laughs> It's like a tag team match. You know, really? like a tag team match in wrestling where, like, there's one guy who's getting the shit kicked out of him in the ring, and then, like, sometimes the other partner the, the other tag. guy will sneak a shot. The and, then the, yeah, and then the one guy who's getting his ass beat is, like, slowly dragging himself over to the corner, and then he tags the guy to come in, and that guy comes in and just cleans house. Yeah, that, that's, 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 what, that's what dads are. Dads are the hot tag. It, you know what I mean? That's what we are. We are the hot tag tag because all of the especially with newborns because all the brunt of it falls on on the mom especially if they're breastfeeding are you breastfeeding 100 percent or are you intermittent formula are you doing bottles or straight boob it's all breast milk but my wife will pump and i'll do a bottle like you were saying in the middle of the night yep. i'll do a bottle in the middle of the night just to give her some extra sleep but you know it's i mean even then my wife still has to wake up every like five hours and pump pump yeah for sure so she really gets no break when it comes to that. Yeah, pumping um, is the worst. And to her credit, this all comes very naturally to her with a newborn. Like it's pretty great. You know, cleaning a newborn, bathing a newborn, like it just like is inherent in her. And I, I'm faking it for sure. I'm faking the whole thing. No, you're not faking it. You're just you're just playing to the crowd. You're 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 living the gimmick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm telling you, it's the hot tag. That so it's funny that we talk about this hot tag and it's like a tag team, right? Because when my daughter was your daughter's age, we had to feed her every two hours because she had lost so much weight. She wasn't taken to the breast well. She had a tongue tie. You had to get it snipped. The whole nine. Don't need to go into that whole story. But I so I we'd slept in shifts. My wife would go to sleep at like ten, and I would stay up do like the 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 midnight, the two a.m., the four a.m feeding and then i like i would t- you know i would tag my wife in for to, to come and finish the job for the morning but i when i got that hot tag at 10 p.m to do those feedings all i watched was wrestling i just put on the wwe <laughs> network and i would just watch yeah, like old royal rumble you matches like that. you don't need that much backstory you can jump in pretty quickly <laughs> like it was, it's always on it's it, it, always on it's, on tbs like tnt no 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 no. forget the tbs tnt i have the wwe network i was with the, the wwe network and i would just throw on like random old like royal rumbles i'm like okay cool i'm set for three hours now i'm just gonna watch Freaking Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio go to town, and this is what it's gonna be. I got the hot tag. I might as well watch the hot tag. You know what I mean? Honestly, <laughs> shout out, shout out to the heartbreak kids. You know? uh, damn right, <laughs> damn right. 
So what's been the biggest challenge for you, Kev? Is, is you're, you had the daughter in the pandemic, obviously. What's been the biggest challenge adjusting to fatherhood? I think the biggest challenge for me right now is just like time management. And because I'm working from home all of a sudden, there is no hard line between when I'm working, when I'm a dad, when I'm being a husband, like when I'm doing things around the house, it's just all kind of runs together. So I think for me, beyond even pandemic, I think it's when you have a kid and every three hours you're feeding them and changing them, you have to really look at that free time you have and be so deliberate about what you're doing in that free time. Yes. Like you have to look at that free time as gold. Yeah. <laughs> and, and scrolling on Facebook becomes more of a waste of time than it ever was. Like you've got <laughs> you've got an hour maybe of free time and you've got to put it to productive use. 100. And I think it's almost like having a, another job. You're, you're like you're that hour of free time is like used like work. You know what I mean? Because, because like you said, you have to be so deliberate about it and you have to maximize that time. So am I going to watch an hour of Thor or am I going to actually do something of value? You know, it's, it's nutty. Jordan, is this, is this, uh, is watching this guy going through this? Is it scaring you a little bit? Nah. nah. <laughs> I was about to just be like, let me tell you. Shout out to this guy for keeping on. Honestly, while he's having a baby, this guy honestly puts in about as much work on like puts in more work on Captain and Cat. All the administrative, like you know, he, he, you're able to figure out a lot of shit and still do a lot of shit, Hoban. That's pretty. That's pretty incredible. I, I think that having this focus and this passion project that I'm working on has been a really good way to focus my energy when I do have that free time. Yep. To be like, if there's something worthwhile to work on, it's this. Yep. Because I've said to myself, like, I, when my daughter is five years old, I want her to look and be like, Dad, you created this animated series. You created these albums. You've inspired kids around the world. I'm so happy you're my dad versus, like, Dad, I don't even know what the trade-off would be. Trade-off, I just feel like... The trade-off would be like, Dad, I'm so proud of you. Do you follow all these Insta models on Instagram? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that is that's a more noble mission that I could be on as a dad than anything else I could really think of. So I think that inspires me when I have free time to be like, okay, that's what I'm going to put my energy towards. I dig that. I could not agree with that statement more. Obviously, I do this podcast on the side, right? This is not my full-time job yet, but I feel the same way. Like, it gives you... Uh, something else to focus your energy on and not just waste time on like social media and you know instagram models and watching hour and one hour of thor like what am i going to do with an hour of thor like the movie's terrible anyway like why am i watching an hour of it but i I also had that i had that moment actually this afternoon because i drop i like dropped my this week's episode this afternoon and i just go through all the podcast platforms just make sure that it's all like that it's playing okay, whatever. So I had it playing on my phone and I was with my daughter in, in our bed and we were watching her shark show on Disney Plus and she picked up my phone and she's like, my podcast is playing on like one, on one of these pl- podcast platforms to just check it out. And she sees my face on, on the, on the phone. And she's like, daddy, that's daddy. 
daddy. And I was like, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> You're getting it now. This is awesome. So that was pretty cool that she, t- but I'm in the same boat as you. Like, that's what I do with this. I want her to, I want her to look back at me and be like, oh, you actually like, did something to help. And even furthermore, that she was the inspiration for it. You know what I mean? So I dig that. I dig that 1 million percent. There's nothing nobler than doing something to help future generations. And and whether it's, you know, talking to dads and parents or talking directly to kids, there's no better way to, you know, inspire future generation than, than that. So you guys are fucking awesome for doing that in general. And I'm sure it means a lot more now that you have a kid, Kevin. Yeah, for sure. We were doing this before as just, you know, some passion and a hobby. And I think now it's become much more of like, you know, when you're a dad, you're always now looking at things as like, what is my legacy now that I'm passing on? For sure. And to be honest, I'm so grateful that we had been doing this work before because that's the legacy that I'm so proud to pass on to her. So. It, this was this was awesome to talk to you guys about this. I actually, I like I said, I love the Captain and Cat stuff. The Shape Safari is definitely my my fucking jam for real. But before we wrap up, I always end every in, interview with asking two questions. Now, normally it's you know I always always have dads on, so Jordan, I'm gonna have to kind of if so facto mold these yeah, so that you can, can give something as well because you work with kids. Jason. Yeah, your dad Jace. Yeah, your dad Jace. Yeah. Your dad Jace. But the first qu- the first question I have, I know Kev- Kevin, you're only eight weeks in, but so far, what's been your favorite experience or favorite thing about being a dad? I'm going to go favorite experience. It's probably cliche, but like the moment that my daughter was born was the trippiest fucking thing I've ever seen because rewind two hours before I casually mentioned to OBGYN, Hey, I'd like to be involved if that's an option thinking like, maybe I'll cut the cord. I don't know. <laughs> Just be there for the photo. Op. Yeah. Like maybe they'll bring me in for the photo. No, he was like, great. You want to be involved? Here's a leg. Hold it. I need you to count your wife's breaths. You're going to be counting to 10. So I'm in oh it. Like God. I am in the experience. Holding the leg, counting the breaths. And then when when our baby was being born, he delivered the head and then looked at me and goes, okay, you'll do the rest. And he walked away. What? <laughs> and he walked away. My baby's head just hanging out. And he was like, you're up. <laughs> Step up. And so I walked in and just literally reached and pulled my daughter out. I had no idea this was coming, you know? And oh I'm just God. like, holy shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I mean, I just know, I had no idea that was going to happen. And uh, I think in terms of experiences, that is something like. I mean, I don't, I don't know how anything, uh, any other experience could compete with that. That, yeah. that you must have made a good impression on on the on the OBGYN because that doctor had a lot of faith in you to do to to, to do a very important thing. You look very doctorish. Right? I have no idea. I, <laughs> it's the beer. Look, I actually am a huge wimp when it comes to if I see blood, I get squeamish. Like, I can't watch when I get shots. Like, I don't handle medical situations well at all. So, so this is a bad decision by the doctor. Poorly. <laughs> but I will say at that moment, like, there was no questioning. I was like, all right, I'm going in. This is happening. It's, fun- it's funny when you, have, when you have a kid that – all of your preconceived like reservations about anything, like like if you're you know sensitive to blood or shots or all that, it all goes out the window 
when it comes to your kids because like this is like wait i have to do i have to put all that aside because i have to pull this kid out of my wife's vagina <laughs> That's where they totally. come from. And I didn't oh. have a moment to be like, ooh, blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny sketch. Like the very squeamish dad in the delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that would have been that would have been so terrible if the doctor just walked away and you like went to go do it and just saw blood and passed out like that. <laughs> he took a big risk there. That doctor took a big risk. He's gonna that doctor got some balls on him. Now this this next question, Jordan, you can get involved in also with this because it's more of an advice question. And I'm going to take it one angle with Kevin and one angle with you since you work with kids all the time. For, for Jordan, working with kids, right? What would be your, your best piece of advice that you can give? And I don't know, maybe you alluded to it before with the, how you talk to them. But what would be the best piece of advice that you could give in regards to dealing with kids in general since you do it so often? All right. This actually really, I, I think about this a lot, actually. Great. And there's this one little, yeah, there's this one little anecdote that comes to my mind that like really kind of changed the way that I interact with kids. So I work with, you know, I work with these kids that are, you know, sometimes they're incredibly, old kids are at some point incredibly difficult to deal with. And, you know, a lot of like what I was told by like my mom and what I was told by other teachers who I had talked to was like, make sure when you put your foot down, you put your foot down and that's it. And, you know, and it was like, and be strong and you show them how to treat you and you, you know, establish yourself as an authority figure or else you're going to walk all over you. So it had gotten to the point where like one day this kid was just in absolute hysterics and I was kind of stonewalling him to be like, oh, wow. okay, so you're going to be a little bitch about it, huh? Okay, fine. Good luck. Okay, fine. We're just going to sit here and I'm going to be a fucking dick and you're going to be a dick and this is going to end poorly and I'm going to complain to your mom and that's it. But literally at that time, there was a basket, there was a kid who was working with the, uh, his older brother who was like this Ukrainian, like imagine like those videos you see of like the Ukrainian guys in leotards doing the Olympic lifts. Like this was the meatiest, toughest, most severe Soviet bloc looking dude of all time. And he walks in and I was like, oh, you want to talk to, you want to talk to this little kid and, and see what he's, you know, th- expecting that he was going to come in and be tough. And this this gigantic Soviet weightlifting guy was like, "Oh, why you could why you could I?" And he just literally like just started petting the kids, like literally stroking the kid's hair for a little bit, and the kid just immediately stopped. Wow! And I was like, "Oh, you know, I feel like a lot of the time our pride is telling us like, don't let this child. We have to assert ourselves. Don't let this child walk True. all over it. When in fact, like." You know, obviously the bee, it's, it's the bees with honey and then vinegar. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. It's like a lot of the time we get, we, we decide to become unflinching and uncompromising to preserve what out of either pride, superiority, what we think is right way to raise a child. When in actuality, like a lot of times a more yielding energy, I feel like. Well, it's well, coming, well, it's it's coming down to their level. You know what I mean? It's, it's showing yeah. them that you are, you might be the authority figure, but you also understand and yeah. you can help them to, you know, to, to feel better. You know what I mean? It's not just about yelling and stern and da, da, da. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I, yeah. I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. It's something that I'm starting to learn about my daughter now as she just says no and is starting to throw tantrums. 
this. So yeah. that's... I'm sure, like, look, I'm sure there are definitely certain points where you kind of have to assert, you have to assert your way. Sure. But a lot, if you're going to create every little interaction and every single conflict is like a referendum on your power structure sure. and your authority, 100%. you're going to end up, you're going to end up escalating some silly interactions that need that have otherwise could have been very quickly diffused. Yes. That's... I guess uh, is the short, is the short way to kind of describe what happened. Yeah, that I like situation. that. That's actually really, that's really, that's really good advice. I like that. little, And I like that you did a little anecdote there. That's, that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I'm I, telling you, if you would see this guy, it would be even funnier. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally like, like, a bottom, like Drago. It literally looked exactly like Drago's son in Creed 2. <laughs> Victor Drago, why you not talk to mama? <laughs> that's, that's great. Kev, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose the same question to you. But I'm going to flip it a little bit because you're still a new dad. So I'm sure that you're more in the vein of getting advice than giving advice. So to you, I say, what's you're eight weeks in, right? What's the best piece of advice that you received in regards to being a dad? The most useful advice I've gotten so far was to stay in motion. Ooh. And that has been... I think key for me so far because it's a shit show, right? At all times. And I'm always sleep and you're always feeling like you're behind and there's something you're not doing. At the moment that you stop and just sit for a second and sort of feel you're sorry done. for yourself, I found is the moment that I come crumbling down <laughs> emotionally, physically, everything comes to a screeching halt. I feel sorry for myself. I don't want to get off the couch. I want to just call it quits. And I think the stay in motion advice has been really important to just like, listen, keep doing something. Unless you're sleeping, go to sleep. But if you're not, like just keep progressing something forward. And that has been helpful for me. Yeah, I really, I actually really like that. That's actually probably one of the best pieces of advice that I've, I've heard in asking this question. And, one of the, and, and I think that it's so true, especially when you're so sleep deprived and all that stuff. As soon as you sit, it's like, it feels like you're ready to go to sleep. You know what I mean? Like you feel like you're falling into a, a bed of pillows, even though you might be just sitting on a floor. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's a hundred percent true. And then it's so hard to get up once you sit down. So just stay up. I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. I still kind of do that to this day. Once like in the night, like my, my wife gets up most of the mornings now. And I, but I stay up most of the nights to like do all the stuff that needs to be done, the house, whatever. And I just do that because I, if I sit down, I won't be able to get back up and then nothing gets cleaned and everything's a shit show the next morning. I think, I think that's, that's, that's really good. I, I agree with you hundred percent guys. This has been so awesome, man. I loved seeing you, love talking to you. I love the captain and cat. I can't wait for Ooh. cowboy and cat and Colonel and cat. And... <laughs> Cowboy and cat coming. coming That's a spinoff. We got a lot of spinoffs before the show. We came up with some. I can't wait. I can't wait for it all. And and with that, where can where can people go to find any Captain Cat content? How can people in LA book you for their child party show? Anything that they need if they're interested in putting their kids in bubbles? How can they get in touch with you guys? What's the best way to do that? Well. You can find our music anywhere, anywhere you stream music, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. But we have a YouTube channel, which we launch all our animations on, so we animate our videos. We also do some live videos 
that we put up on YouTube. Our Instagram and Facebook always have whatever the latest thing we're working on is. At Cap and Cat. At Cap and Cat. And, and yeah, in this COVID world, book us for a Zoom show if that's what you're, yeah. you're looking for. Zoom We've show. done a lot of that. But honestly, the, the best thing you can do right now is just follow us, subscribe to YouTube, whatever it is. Just create the buzz, share with your friends. And I'll tell you, being an indie kids music performer, musician, entertainer, you're up against the mountain, you know, like you're up against Disney. So best thing we can do is just get word of mouth. For sure. And I will, I'll put, I'll put all that, all the information in the show notes so you can, you'll be able to find them. I'll make sure that people find you to believe that dude, this, this, this was awesome. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I love getting to chat with you about stuff other than smoking foot long joints and watching fresh prints in my, in my uh, fraternity room. This is, this is awesome. Mo, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, this, was a blast. this was a blast. Thank you guys. This was this is awesome. It was hilarious. You guys are incredible. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Awesome. Keep up the good work, man, and book us mommies and daddies. We love you. Yeah, indeed. Book cat you <laughs> cat. Yeah, exactly. Peace, man. Later, Thank dude. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace, later. Man. And that is all for this week's episode of Dad Hard with the podcast. As always, to connect on a fatherhood, brotherhood, shoot us an email at dadhardpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dadhardpod. And check out the website, wedadhard.com, where this episode will be right at the tops. And you can catch up with the entire season two, season one of Dad Hard with the podcast. Follow my fatherhood experience and the fatherhood experience of so many others that I've talked to for the show. But for now, that's all for us. Until next week, we're out. Peace. Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Gotta remember the good times. Remember man. back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains or cared about your ways. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Ain't that the truth, man? I wish you could go back being a little kid again, man. Remember them good times. Everything was free spirit and all that. Talking the playground. He's playing on the monkey balls or whatever.